Welcome to the Startup Competitors Podcast, where we talk with early stage entrepreneurs to understand what information they use to inform product roadmap, strategy, and market differentiation. Hello there. We have the co-founder and CEO of Omni Valley, Grady Buchanan, who's going to be on the show today. And Omni Valley is a platform that connects uh, investors, either accredited individuals, angel groups, funds, you name it, place for them to network with one another based on geography, types of deals that they like, uh, a bunch of different criteria. We talk about why Grady and his team have built out that platform, what they see the opportunity to be, competitors in the space, of, of which there are many, and how they think they can wedge into that market with a unique piece of value prop that investors are underserved on today. Talk a little bit about how to do that in a kind of a minimum viable product scalable way as they work to get this off the ground and as they learn about the market as, they, as they're building the product. Great discussion. Lots in here about investing, even though it's uh, primarily talking with Grady about building and launching a product, but it's a little bit meta at points because it's a product for investors. So hope you enjoy it. I learned a lot. Grady was awesome. Thank you so much for listening. If you happen to be looking for a way to ignite your brand, spark some sales, or maybe just fire up your team, branded merchandise might be the way to do that. You can learn more about different items that are available to put your logo on at fuelmerchandise.com. It can be simple startup swag, corporate gifts, anything you're looking for. You can find it at fuelmerchandise.com. Mention startup competitors, get 10% off your first order. Welcome to the podcast. Today we have Grady Buchanan, who's the co-founder and CEO of Omni Valley. Grady, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Mike. Why don't we start with a quick pitch for Omni Valley? Sure. So Omni Valley is a quick pitch. We're an online exclusive investor network connecting those who work and invest in the venture capital industry. So for those that are actually looking at startup companies or for those that invest at the venture capital fund level, we have a platform that is meant for investors in that space to better connect. Make that, let's go one level deeper. Uh, let's say I'm an investor. If I sign up for Omni Valley, what is my actual user experience? What do I see? What do I do? Yeah. So as a, let's say an accredited individual, because the platform houses that as well, we also house venture capital funds, larger limited partners in the university endowment space, family offices, angel groups, and then a lot of accelerators. So as an investor individual or a group, what you do is you go in, we ask for some core investor preferences and some some thesis-driven uh, data based on your registration. Then we also give you guys profiles. So every investor organization or individual has an investor profile that you can get as granular as you want. You can showcase information, portfolio company information. But from a user experience perspective and what we're really after and what our members really like is the investor preferences side. So what we set on registration, which takes all of a couple minutes to input information, the goal is to better connect ecosystems at the investor level in a in a pretty transparent and, and still very exclusive way to the investor side of this of this aisle in the startup market world. So if you're a direct investor, if you're a lead investor, if you strictly want to follow on, or if you're only investing at the fund level, we collect information on that. We also collect you know, the geographies that you're looking at, the stage of investment, your check ranges. Again, it's all at our member discretion what they input, but we're sorting, matching, and filtering by those preferences that we collect. So hopefully, Mike, for you in Indianapolis, you can connect to investors in North Carolina, Texas, maybe St. Louis, anywhere else maybe your network doesn't span to. And then it also gives you exposure as an investor. So those networks elsewhere can find you and what your portfolio and what you're doing with these companies as well. That's great. Awesome. Love that extra level of detail. Uh, hit me with some current status of the company. Paint a picture for somebody who's listening of where you and the team are at on this journey. Sure. So right now, we, I mean, we incorporated in January of 2018. We had obviously been playing around with this idea before then. We opened it up to, we're in Madison, so we opened it up to Madison, Milwaukee, Chicago, trying to connect some groups here locally because, you know, admittedly, we didn't know everyone in our own backyard. And so then we went over to the Global Accelerator Network, hopped on and, and had a bunch of accelerators sign up, which we really look at as boots on the ground in certain markets, right? They can cover ecosystems a lot better than, you know, funds that are operating in different territories. 
And now we have over 700 profiles on there. We have 400 of them that are actually fully registered and, and have their investment criteria, I should say, because that was a second launch for us that are filled out and can easily sort and filter them. Um, we've made hundreds of connections in different ecosystems. We also have over 250 different cities covered, which we call ecosystems, but cities around the globe. So the platform itself is also global. Um, and we have a pretty even mix between limited partners, venture capital firms, and accelerators, which has been really interesting to see. And I would say that the majority of our members are actually based in the Midwest of the United States, and, and it's almost purposefully so. But a lot of the connections are coming from the coast toward the Midwest. And, and oddly enough, we have India and we have Australia, and they're very, very active in the uh, U.S. market as well in trying to make connections. So it's been really cool to watch the trends and the connections happen, whether they be you know close to home or all around the world. Yeah, so that that's really interesting. Not not a normal part of my questioning, but um, I, f I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't ask you what, particularly given COVID over the last few months, what are some of the interesting trends that you've seen just either through your network specifically or in the, the broader kind of investment community at large? Right. So I, I mean, everything went down, what, near February, right? And then everybody's trying to figure out how to work from home. And then if so many corporations with furloughed employees and and I say corporations, too, because the platform supports corporate venture. It supports larger acquirers as well. And I think the largest trend for us, again, we're a connection platform, not a deal flow, not a fundraising platform. But from a connection standpoint, it's been really interesting to see. And this had been happening pre-COVID. But in this virtual world and a world that I would, you know, there are very few geographical advantages or disadvantages to certain locations anymore. Right. And so we've seen a lot of investors on the coast or a lot of you know what i would what i would look at as epicenters around the world in venture capital we've seen those firms and again it was happening pre covid but more and more as they've grown and scaled they're looking for startup companies in not only unique industries but unique geographies and we've seen a number of connections happen in the Midwest. There are some really good Midwest funds that have networks of coastal investors, and they've done a really good job of tying those to what they're doing here in the Midwest. But pre-Omni Valley, that was happening. Now with Omni Valley, we've seen it a lot more where we have coastal venture funds looking at the Midwest, looking at investors in different ecosystems. And again, without a geographical advantage specifically tied to New York, Boston, or San Francisco, and, and their epicenters, they always will be. But there's a lot of good companies now that are sitting at home or they're sitting virtually in Chicago or even Wisconsin or Minnesota. And now we've seen a lot of these connections from bigger power players that can write larger checks. Maybe they are still earlier stage, but they're looking for deal flow everywhere. And so some of those trends we've seen is even, even outside of the U.S., a lot points toward the Midwest market. A, a lot really points toward the deal flow here and these are different entrepreneurs and these are different venture capital funds, but the coasts are looking here a lot more frequently now, I think is what we've seen over these last nine months. And I do expect that to happen into the future. I mean, these coastal funds have scaled appropriately and now they have teams that can actually go out and, you know what, I should cover different parts of the world. And our own backyard here in the Midwest is in a place where there's a number of investors. There's so many thriving ecosystems, a lot of corporate backing and sponsorships. Startups can really thrive here. We need to put people here or we need to be able to find the deal flow. And they do that through connecting with our investors that are in the Midwest on the platform. And so I would say, Mike, probably biggest trend we've seen is just those connections coming from the coast and looking inward, um, which, you know, bias aside, I mean, I think that that's great. I think it's great for the venture community holistically. And how do you make money as a platform? That is a great question, um, and we're open to suggestions, but uh, <laughs> currently, currently, Mike, we do not. And I think our ethos, right or wrong, that the connection side should be free. I mean, we, I, I spent you know, my, my prior time as a limited partner at one of the University of Wisconsin endowment funds and investing the venture capital portfolio and in, in, some, in a few accelerator funds um, and a lot of local initiatives as well. But the biggest challenge for us was we just needed to connect our portfolio, which was an endowment-sized venture capital portfolio, to some of our local groups. 
And we were doing that in, in an altruistic way, but we were also doing it to highlight what some of our good investor groups here had to offer. And I think those connections were just part of our role. So I've always had, like I said, I've always had that ethos that these connections should be free. I'm a firm believer that exposure for startup companies is just is just necessary to help our market thrive. And if we can do that at the investor level, great. But to more bluntly answer your question here in the future, uh, the platform looks ready for a freemium to premium type model. But again, we are we are in the in the realm right now, especially at our stage, that we are purposely not generating revenue because we are trying to grow the investor side of the network, make sure that our member base is is impactful enough where you know it drives more member growth. Right now we're doing outbound marketing and, and we have some inbounds, but the larger number we have on the member side, the more connections that we can make, the more conducive the platform is to sign in more frequently. And I think then we can look at the the revenue or business model, if you will. But right now we are we are hyper focused on the marketing side, making sure that the platform is in a place that makes these connections easy, possible, makes you want to log in more. And I think once we have that, we'll discuss the the routes to revenue. Got it. And I can't remember if you mentioned this or not in the in kind of the current status. How big is the team today? Who is the we? Yeah, the we is um, four individuals. So there's two co-founders that have been specific to it, myself and an individual I went to school with. And he's luckily he's still here in Madison uh, with me. And then we have a our CTO who ended up moving up to Madison after a recent accelerator program we went through. So he's here as well. And then we have a fourth individual that's down in Chicago that handles most of our marketing um, and a lot of our kind of product features development, working with our tech side as well. But And then two advisors that we have. So I guess six in total, but four on the full-time team. Got it. All right. When you think of competitors for Omni Valley, who or what comes to mind? Well, the the large ones that if investors were asking or wanted to see comparables in a pitch deck, I mean, Crunchbase, CB Insights, PitchBook even has some, I mean, they have the data, right? But I think in today's world and what we're, what we've been designed to do and what we're seeing in the market is probably some of these CRM-based platforms as well, I, I would label as competitors. So Affinity, know that group. That group is, is doing amazing things. Um, it's more individual CRM based, but it is a place for you to manage a lot of these connections that we're trying to promote. And, and so those names that I listed are our are, are strongest competitors, legacy to industry tools that are going to be hard to overtake. But So that... That list actually surprised me because when I was thinking, so I had anticipated you would say something like, um, you know, just from a connection perspective, like, you know, could be LinkedIn, could be AngelList, could be, you know, places, other places where investors congregate and potentially interact with one another. I guess I was thinking a little bit less about deal flow, which when I, and I, I guess that does exist on Crunchbase, right? But But when I think about, Crunchbase, I think more about the companies, less about the investors. Maybe that's just my bias, though. No, I think I, I, I do think those are solid points, Mike, and, and I agree with you because there are platforms like Gust or F Success, which are very specific to helping portfolio companies. But again, I look at those more on the portfolio company side, right? And again, us being a connection platform, I agree. I look at what they're using in the market today. Most will use LinkedIn. Twitter is a really great communication source for venture capital, as, as I'm sure you know. But LinkedIn is still a place where a lot of these earlier funds or smaller funds in peripheral markets will use to try to go out and connect with other co-investors. And I, I, I do look at Crunchbase as more portfolio company and it's startup company driven. And if you know what you're looking for, it's great, as is, as is PitchBook. But you're right. From a connection perspective and what we're doing, it's tough because there aren't really siloed investor platforms. I mean, AngelList is 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 really good at this, but it's it's more or less capped to a certain group or type of individual. And there's a lot of herd mentality and group thinking there now. But from a connection perspective, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, they use LinkedIn today. They use a lot of other tools. But yeah, if I, if I were to answer it from a true competition within this industry, those are the legacy tools that, that we'd be looking to hopefully replace or at least supplement in some way. Got it. So when I want to, so I'm, I'm thinking through that user experience. So I'm an investor on the platform. I want to help 
so I, I've fallen in love with a startup. I'm going to invest in them. I want to help them close the round. So I'm, I'm potentially leveraging Omni Valley to, to do that, right? I'm going to go find other investors who share, you know, that criteria that I'm using to, to make that investment and then potentially, and hopefully I've made that relationship, built that relationship before I have a specific startup I'd like to introduce to them. But, uh, but I mean, that's the whole point, right? So, so now I know other people like me or, or funds that like the same things that I, I like, and I can make those introductions. Does the platform facilitate any of that? Like, is there a way for me to invite them to a deal room or to, you know, to, to, provide any company information like critical stats like you would see on a crunch base or is it just facilitate the connection and then whatever happens around specific deals or opportunities happens offline i think this is a great topic to bring up mike because it kind of goes back to your question on trends in the market today as well where i think exposure and access are tremendous issues even at the venture capital fund level i mean i and especially at the individual angel level, right? And so some of the things that we're building, yes, everything that you said is exactly right. You input the right criteria, you connect to investors based on, you know, their preferences, whether they be a, a direct deal flow person or a fund investor, you can sort through that with some pretty easy filters on the website, um, or I should say on the internal platform. But after that, we we have plans to build and, and we haven't named it appropriately yet. But currently what's in motion right now, and I'm sure our tech side will, will destroy me for this. I'll get it wrong. But based on, <laughs> what, based, on, based on what we're thinking and how it's going to look is like the data applications that we can provide, given the, the investor level data, which is very high level data. It's rarely changing. It's very you know specific to you guys as investors um, and it's inputted by you as members. So what we're going to do with that data is figure out, you know, if Mike has a portfolio company and they're in Indianapolis and maybe Mike's the only one on the cap table or maybe he's the one that's really dedicated to working with the startup, he truly believes in it. If Omni Valley can do the co-investor mapping right, and so what we're doing right now is testing it out with some of the portfolio companies that are already uploaded on the platform. We have about 14,000 of them represented through our investor members. And so what we're going to try to do is, is match if a startup company based on their industry, based on their stage, based on where they were in time, and based on some of these metrics that you're, that you're talking about, Mike, is, okay, if Mike has a company and it may look similar from a company a few years ago, maybe it's in the same industry, maybe a company wants a portfolio company that looks like this, can you plug them into a system that says, or a timeline almost, that says, well, here, Mike, here are the investors that have done this in the past. They've looked at companies very similarly. Here are the routes that you could take and it can show you that really step stepwise function of where these companies went. And of course, investors invest off thesis. They have gut feelings that are very hard to sort and filter, um, especially at the, the qualitative level on what they're doing. But if we can actually provide a roadmap of sorts for investors that are operating in smaller markets or even investors that are operating in larger markets, because Mike may want to invest in a company that's venture back down the coast because it's very specific to what you're looking for. And if they plug a company into that data application as well, then your name could pop up also. So it is a place for obviously investors to connect today, but you're exactly right on the user experience side. And what we're seeing in the market is it's very tough in today's world to expose your companies in a way and promote them without conferences or demo days at the accelerator level, or even for your own internal networks, it's just tough to operate solely through email. Um, and Zoom calls are great. And these virtual conference platforms, I'm sure one of them will win eventually. But there's so many of them. And it is very tough for startup companies to get the exposure that they historically had. And especially now that we don't have a lot of travel and we don't have a lot of face-to-face -face meetings. So I think our data applications on exactly what you asked about, Mike, in how can I plug in my portfolio company and send them to the right investors or maybe see the right route that they could take? I'll still make the assessment. I'll talk about it with my portfolio companies or a startup that I'm working with. Maybe this is a real route to go on based on this past data and based on where these investors have invested in. So currently in the works and it's being built, we hope to launch that early next year. But yes, you're exactly right on the, on the, on the use case. It's just forward looking. Got it. Love it. So, you know, one of the things that's interesting, and I think about some of my 
frustrations with some of the tools that are out there in the market today, whether it's from a, a research perspective as a as a startup company, right? Like because you know half of Crunchbase, I'm sure, is other companies who are thinking about building a product, going and researching their competitors, right? And and tracking their status and stuff like that. To you know whether it's trying to find as a as a company trying to raise funds, trying to find an investor, or as an investor trying to f- trying to manage deal flow and find other people to co invest with. Like all three of those are different looks at this space, right? And one of the things that that's pretty interesting about that is, at least to me, is like having visibility into the portfolio that which in many cases can be an incredibly private thing unless it's unless it's crunch base like if which is is still hard to see early investors like you know seed stage investors or individual accredited investors on something like that typically at least in my experience you normally see more funds and institutional investors when you think about how those connections are made long term how much of that this is a really long-winded answer to get or long-winded thing to get to this part of the question but how much of that is like me identifying, okay, Grady, I like pre-revenue or early stage technology companies that have a B2B focus that are located in this region of the country. And I'm telling you that versus if I just give you my portfolio and roughly some you know key data around deal terms on when I invested... You could literally just extrapolate that out and say, well, yeah, you told us you like to invest in these things. But when we look at what you've actually invested in, it doesn't fit that at all. What you really like is this thing. And so we're going to proactively go introduce you or connect you with other people who fit that, who like to invest in that thing as well. And it's less driven about what I tell you and more driven about, you know, through what I actually do. But to do that, you have to know what I've invested in, right? Like there's got to be some way to get the portfolio uploaded and, and, and let you see that. What are your, I guess, what are your thoughts on that problem in general that both, both the disconnect between what I tell you I want versus what I actually want? And then how you guys as a platform get enough of that data that you can start to make more intelligent decisions for me. I, you know, Mike, if you weren't doing too many things, I'd hire you just to do the pitch for Omni Valley because what you said is <laughs> is exactly right. I mean, that's, and that's entirely what we're trying to build, right? And getting the, the notifications and preferences right for investors to actually be, you know, exposed to deal flow or exposed to other investors. That's super important. We don't expect in the future for everyone to sign into Omni Valley every day. We wouldn't really need that or want that. What we would really need to make the platform correct and making proper introductions is exactly what you're saying. So what we do and what we have intentions to do is there are places on the platform right now where you can input your portfolio companies. It's entirely cumbersome. It's a one-off thing. We don't have the the Excel or the document uploads that, that again, this will be launched earlier next year, hopefully. But once that's in there and the, the company data that we collect is very high level as well. It's not, it's not meant to be, well, data is king in most areas of the world and the relationship side of things. I don't think we need to collect as much data. I'd rather have profiles that are easier for you guys to input and maneuver around and change if you need to than say, okay, well, you guys need to input 38 lines of information. Um, and especially at the startup company side, that's not super valuable. So for for you guys, for you're exactly right. Easy to upload your portfolios, plug it into the on what we're like I said, it's it's not named exactly yet, but what we're calling Omni Valley Intelligence is that data application. It's meant to almost learn in a way. And so what you're bringing up is how do you assess almost a gut check feeling rather than here my here's my portfolio, here's my investment criteria, here's the thesis that I can invest in. But then there's always something in the portfolio that makes zero sense to you optically, right? It's very like, well, what is this company doing in there? It's, oh, they actually have applications that you wouldn't really know about unless I told you about them. So you have to speak to the person. But I look at, I mean, I I look at our platform and if we can get, because we do intend to house startups on a very separate side, so we can still keep the investor side exclusive. But in today's world, I, and in Wisconsin, um, and especially some of these smaller markets, there's a number of startups that are having a very tough time just getting the exposure that I think that they deserve. Um, and, and just no platforms really worked for them yet. And, but on the investor side, it's, okay, if we can get all of this criteria inputted, that's great. But if we can actually look at their 
existing portfolio companies and see where they've invested in. Maybe Mike has an affinity toward food and beverage, even though Mike doesn't really label himself as a food and beverage. You know what I mean? So it'd be really interesting to see the machine learn in a way where, again, TechSide is going to destroy me on this afterwards, as they will. But um, if if you look at Facebook, Facebook, what, a couple years ago, the ads were very pointed, right? It's like, okay, I was looking at that at Amazon. That makes a lot of sense. Now the Facebook ads that we're going to get, Mike, or Instagram or whatever platform we use, it's whatever we're talking about almost the day of. And it's because their machine's been able to learn in a way that's almost scary, right? But it is, but it is very, it is very pointed and it's very direct at the individual level. And it's, and, and it's sending you things that, you know what, this is very interesting. I wouldn't have really thought about this. And I think it works the same way on the investor side, where individual investors, much more autonomy in how they invest, right? They can invest off thesis if there even is one. But at the venture fund level, they do it too, very often. And so you can talk to your limited partners about, well, here's what we invest in. But again, there's always companies in the portfolio that are question marks. And those question marks, because again, the actual criteria that you input makes total sense, right? We can connect investors that way. That is what they will invest in. But how do you get the platform to learn based on what Mike's angel investing experience has been and maybe actually showcase and send Mike some notifications on here's some companies or here's some investors that we think might hit your mold, whether you said it or not. And, and here's why we think that. So I think you're absolutely spot on in your thinking. And I, and I do believe that that is where this market is heading. I, I'm, I'm still a fan of keeping it high level on the relationship side. And if we can figure out, like you're talking about, more qualitative assessments on gut feelings or, or investing off thesis, then that can create further relationships and more connections. Again, not, I, don't, I don't know if it leads to deal flow or if it leads to investment, but it does create the right connections. And that's what OmniValley is after. This episode is brought to you by Full Stack PEO. Most founders start companies because they figured out a better way to solve a problem or serve a need, not because they love tracking payroll, filling out compliance forms, and explaining employee benefits packages. And yet, all that stuff still has to be done. That's why there's Full Stack PEO. Full Stack PEO specializes in turnkey HR for emerging companies, not just those core services, but advice and expertise that help founders maximize employee potential. Curious? Find out more at fullstackpeo.com. All right. That's awesome, by the way. I love that vision. I want to switch gears a little bit, though, because while you were answering that, it made me think of some other really interesting things that when I think about kind of a an investor community, you know, other, other things come to mind. So I guess talk to me a little bit about kind of content and thought leadership and where you feel like that lives in this world. And I'll maybe while you're thinking about that, I'll, I'll tell you why I'm asking that. So, you know, a big part of like, you know, whether you're joining an angel investment group in your local market, right? In a lot of cases, that's, you know, a first-time investor thinking about becoming active. A, a big part of that is the education process, right? Like, this is what it means to be an investor. This is what deal terms are. These are the types of things you should be thinking about. This is what portfolio theory is. This is what, you know, like, there's a ton of stuff there as along with like, you know, here are the latest trends. Here's this fancy new safe note thing from YC. Here's what that means to you as an investor, which it's not that fancy or new now, but uh, you know, a handful of years ago, that would have been a, a topic. Like, what do you view? I, I guess once you have that community and you have all these groups connecting, what's your role from a thought leadership perspective in nurturing and managing that community? I believe that. I mean, so some of the things that we're testing out, um, Mike, kind of to your earlier questions, is some of the Slack channel integrations, and integrations is probably the wrong word, but just opening up Slack channels for our members that are specific to Omni Valley's community, where, and we're doing it by geography right now to test it out. So, what's going on in Green Bay, Wisconsin? There's actually quite a few things going on. I mean, there is a fund put in place by Microsoft and the Packers that few people know about, but that is, it is a big initiative and they've invested in companies. So giving them a Slack channel to talk about, you know, specific deal flow that's going on in Green Bay or whatever they choose to talk about is really at their discretion. And so 
nurturing might be a strong word, even though it is something that, you know, we'd love to to be a part of one day. But I really look at our platform as kind of, you know, more of a LinkedIn type vertical where it's a profile for you guys. It is it is a closed community and it's meant for you guys to freely collaborate at your choosing. How how we send notifications based on introductions, we expect you to take them or not take them. Everything is double opt-in. So for our platform, it's not it's not so much the the push toward things as it is, you know what, here it is. The platform is is here. We're going to work really hard to make it conducive for everyone that's on there to make the right connections, be able to promote their portfolios, be able to get the information they need from other investors. But we don't honestly think of ourselves or fancy ourselves as kind of a, a content creator or or someone pushing something toward the market where I'd rather have us sit almost at you know a, a lower level or more of a middleman here to say, okay, well, this is the platform meant for those in the venture capital industry. We're going to continue to monitor it and put useful tools in, in place that help with the connection side of things and the deal flow side of things. But at the end of the day, and what we say a lot, Mike, is if it takes 10 handshakes to make a deal, then we're going to take away maybe three or four of them. We're not, we are in no way trying to take away all of them. I don't think that we need to do that. I don't think that platforms trying to do that that are so data heavy are going to land well, just because, you know, my time spent as a limited partner. Never once has a venture capital firm come in and say, all of my deal flow comes from a proprietary scorecard that I get from a website. It's like they could never tell me that. Um, and it may or may not be true and we do our own diligence, but they're really, most venture capital firms are really well connected and they're really good people. People, right? For lack of, I mean, they, they know how to cultivate relationships and they know how to work with startup companies and attract entrepreneurs based on their reputation. Those are the funds that we look at, but Omni Valley doesn't really care about that so much. You guys can showcase however you want to showcase. And maybe Mike is a prominent angel investor based on his usage of the platform and the information that he throws out in the Slack channels and everything that he creates um, and tries to promote himself. But Omni Valley, I do want to live almost, you know, behind everything. We'll send notifications and introductions if interested based on what you guys as investors select. But from a content perspective, we have a benefits and partners page we plan to partner with. I mean, we're really close with the uh, Global Accelerator Network, um, the ACA, some of these other large groups that do all of these content uh, promotions. And I think that's their role. But, you know, maybe one day, Mike, I guess I, sh I, sh I don't want to eat my own words, but maybe one day we can do something like that. But right now we're we're really focused on making the platform useful on the connection side. And again, we're taking away a few of those handshakes, never all of them. Uh, I, yeah. I, yeah. I want, I want to be, I think that, I think it's a, it's a great answer. I, I was not necessarily trying to lead you down a path there. I mean, what you described feels very much to me like LinkedIn for investors, right? Like link, LinkedIn is a lot allowing you as the, investor to create the content to have a you know a place to publish that content get it in the hands of other like-minded investor you know what i mean like so i i think that's a a fine view if i'm i mean would would you say that is analogous like is that what you're saying that you're going to be the platform that allows people to make those connections and then they can have their voice on that platform if that's what they want to do i, th I think you're absolutely right and and, and it's a it's a struggle within the industry, right? It's a struggle to promote transparency with a group that's, you know, inherently fairly opaque. I mean, in, in private markets, you often want to be, um, and you have your closed networks of co-investors that you work with. I mean, some some people only look at benchmark for deal flow as they should, right? Um, but the idea of opening up a platform and giving the ability for transparency, and there, there's been talks of a news feed and everything like that. I think things get lost with too many members and LinkedIn is nice because you can follow what you want to follow and we're not there yet. But given the ability for Slack channels to have, you know, Mike maybe is talking about Indianapolis things, maybe yeah. join the Indianapolis. So whatever investors are willing to share, it, it, it not only protects Omni Valley, but it puts Omni Valley in a place that says, hey, we're not doing much here. We've, we've made it easy for investors to work with one another, very similar, like you're, like you're right, to LinkedIn. They can they can post, they can promote their own events, they can 
send benefits and partners that we have on there to their own portfolio companies or use them for fund administration, whatever they want to use. It's a platform meant for investors and it's, and it's a communication tool as well. So, but again, it does, it does rely, Mike, on you guys. And I know you know the investor world well. It relies on the investors to share more information, um, to be a little bit more collaborative. And I do think in this virtual world, we're seeing it more and more, but it, it's, it's, it's tough to kind of, you know, break that apart between I don't want to share anything. I don't need this. And I, I don't argue with people that say that between people are like, well, I have five portfolio companies in South Dakota and I, I need to send them everywhere. And it's like, okay. Um, so there is, it's, you know, it's just interesting kind of working with us and shifting uh, how the industry shifts, which, you know, I guess is any startup, but specific to our industry, it's just really interesting because everyone, the answer is, it's always, it depends, right? Everyone's very different um, in what they're going to use it for. But I think if we stay high enough level at the connection side and give and make it that exclusive LinkedIn type feeling, Hopefully, we can attract more investor members, make this a little bit more transparent, and people can start freely communicating in, in a world that you, you know they're going to kind of need to. I like it. All right. Uh, switch gears with me again. What has been your biggest challenge over the last couple of years as you've tried to get this company off the ground? I think I think it's a challenge because there are so many founder to investor platforms out there. And I think it's a challenge on both sides of this aisle when I talk about the investors and the startup companies, because it's, it's tough to know where to go. I mean, I, I haven't heard of one specific platform that's this is the end all be all. Um, and if there are there, there, there's questions on their pricing or things like that. And Everyone's trying to do this, and I really condone the efforts because to try to connect investors to the number of deals that are out there now is 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 a big ask, and it's a big lift, and it's challenging, especially now when no one can travel and promote their own portfolios. So I think our biggest challenge has just been navigating the investor platform world, which is you know your questions on the competitor list. I think it's I think it's endless. Um, I think there's so many data plays out there that are interesting. It's just, do you need all of that data to make an introduction and actually speak with the founder? I'd argue no. Um, but then there are also these syndicate deal flow platforms that are led by really prominent angels and they're able to find deal flow. And, and that's amazing. And then there's some you know nascent angels that love to be a part of those syndicates that, that Omni Valley is probably not for them, right? They're not as active. And so it's just kind of been piecing together what all of these other platforms have been able to do and the connections and the networks that they've cultivated and trying to find our place in this world where, you know what, why don't we limit ourselves even further, which, you know, again, sounds, I think, stupid from an entrepreneurial perspective, but why don't we limit ourselves and just try to be investor specific? I mean, we have the, the backgrounds for it. We have the networks to do it. And we're here in the Midwest, which I like a lot. It's why don't we try to connect our big portfolios of venture funds, limited partners that we have connections with, accelerator funds, and just live in the investor space. And I think the adoption of that has been tough as well, because the natural question is, oh, well, where's, where's the deal flow side or what do I do here? And it's, it's, uh, it's a behavioral shift in a way where, you know what, I don't want to say that we're LinkedIn specifically for investors because then it, it's kind of no different than LinkedIn. You can go search for investors on LinkedIn, but this is a place where we'll continue to put information and you know fewer lines of data that you guys can change and edit. But specific to your fund and investment strategy, maybe this is a better place than LinkedIn to go out and find active investors or investors operating in different ecosystems and communities and cities. But you know, our challenge has just been, again, it's a free platform. It's not that hard to find new members, right? It shouldn't be. But it is a it is another thing that they have to sign in on, right? It is another ask of a member. It's not Omni Valley doing the profile input work, um, so that's that's an uphill battle. But it, and it is you know if you guys use platforms today, could this replace it? And I think you know people might be seeing that now, but we're still very early for that. But I think our our, our challenges are around navigating what's out there in market today. And again, I. I'm happy that there's so many of these platforms. It means there is a real need and there's there's so many too many startups to count at this point, um, especially in today's world. So how can how can we all work together to help them all? But how can we all play our very specific roles that the investors are needing and calling for? And I hope Omni Valley can be one of those premier stops for investors in the future. But yeah, the challenge is just 
there's there's so much in the market today. How do you how do you how do you boil it down to what Omni Valley could be? So how are you and the team doing that? Like what what is the I mean that's a great question. So what is the process to do that? No, I know. I'm happy I set you up for this. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> the the I, I I think where we're positioned and and obviously biased, but right. But where we're positioned and what we tried to do first is and still very focused on it, and that's what the platform is designed to be is to connect in, at the investor level, right? So it's it's nice to have a platform that says here are all the startups in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's still very tough for an investor operating on the coast. Is there an ecosystem there that can support them? Are there co-investors there? If I invest in a Milwaukee company, I'm certainly not putting a person there. So can they still run this company? Is it still very easily accessible for me? But like everything that you can get at the investor level. So we started at the investor level. Real quick, Grady. Yeah, actually, I, I think you might have just hit some some gold there. So not uh, all of our listeners are, are professional investors. So so maybe just that you just rattled off some uh, you know some things that an investor who's not in the market that they're investing in might be thinking of it could be worth 30 seconds 60 seconds what are some of the other things when somebody is thinking about investing in a deal but particularly out of market what are some of the things that are running through their head? Because I, I'm not sure that everybody knows that list. I'm not even sure I do, right? So what are some of the common concerns that come up that, you know, really make a platform like this, you know, more valuable because it, it starts to create a path to answer some of those questions? Sure. And I'll, I'll, I'll preface it, Mike, by saying every fund is different, right? Every investor is different in how they invest. And some some don't care so much about the ecosystem. They find a good deal and they and they like it, right? And they have the, they have the team to do that. But let's say you know a venture fund with three individuals and they're in Kansas City. Let's say I mean it it is tough for them to cover a, a universe of Midwest startups. I mean there's so many Midwest startups, and so what investors become heavily reliant on is well let's make the right connections. I'll just continue to use Milwaukee as an example. Let's make the right connections in Milwaukee or Indianapolis. And let's figure out, okay, what does Mike see in the market? Let's let's hear it from Mike as an angel. Let's hear it from some of the ecosystem supporters. And when I say that, I who are the who are the mentors in the area? Who are the people that support the accelerator? Are there corporate sponsors in places? Are there um, we have a group here in Wisconsin and now they're everywhere, generator who does a really good job with a lot of collaborative events, different conferences that that really help the ecosystem just shine to out-of-state investors as well. It, it's figuring out if there are things like that in the market, right? And again, this is this is at the early stage level. Every fund is very different. But if I were a venture capital fund, I would need to know that, all right, Madison, you guys have a lot in life sciences and biotech. Are there labs there? Are there things that you can do on the university's campus as large as it is that can drive your company further? Are there connections to the state and their legislator that that are really helpful for your healthcare company? Things like things like that, where if you look at hot zones for certain industries, there's a reason that semiconductors are in Silicon Valley and there's a lot of biotech over in Boston. And Minneapolis has Medtronic. I mean, there's a big biotech hub up in Minneapolis. And investors know that, right? So it's kind of a label, like it or not, that a lot of these ecosystems have have put in place. But there are a lot of ecosystems that have no label, right? They're very agnostic to their industries. They have talented startups that are operating in different ways that are just, you're not going to find them. So connecting to local accelerator programs, because they have not only the, the actual companies that went through them or incubators, but they also have applications to a lot of other companies that are in the area, right? That you're not really going to find. So when an investor targets a new city, is there that ecosystem there that can support them? Are these founders connected to other founders? Can they can they navigate this space in a world when they're assessing you as a as a founder and a team? It's like, okay, when I get on the plane and go back, is this company going to be okay? And again, every venture fund can do diligence on that and, and, and they get there on their own. But to invest in a city that's that's you know kind of out of bounds for them in many ways, just because they haven't been there. It can be really tough, and it's a and it's a and it's a scarier investment than investing in something across the street, right? I mean, there's that you know old saying in Silicon Valley. It's like they invest in things that are a bike right away. They do that because the deal flow exists there, but they also do that because they like to be hands on with their companies, and, and they can and they can help them navigate. And there's there's it's kind of the difference between virtual work and in person work, right? So I think investors, to answer your question, Mike, I think investors really want to see that. 
if they're if they're leaving you in a virtual setting um, or if they're not going to be there physically, is there still an ecosystem there that can support them? A lot of investor to investor connections are around that where, you know what, you're an early stage investor, you've invested in this company or you passed on them, but you're also based here in Milwaukee. What do you think about them? Are there hubs that they should be going to? Learning about the other things within your ecosystem is super important when trying to invest in markets that you're a little bit unfamiliar with. So very long-winded, right? And the answer is it depends. But does that does that more or less help, Mike? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and I, I appreciate you taking the time to, to do the long-winded version of that. I think that's a great look into the, you know, potentially the way that um, investors are, are thinking about those things or even some of the concerns that might come up. So I, I, should, I appreciate you doing that. And I should add, Mike, I guess one of the things that we're that we're looking at, because this is a little bit off off of what we're currently doing, but the investors, I believe, and so again, this is our belief, not coming from our investors necessarily, but to answer it to the entrepreneurs in the room as well, it's can you guys generate an ecosystem report of sorts? Can you guys teach me a little bit about what's going on in Indianapolis? And when I say ecosystem report, is there a one pager that you can actually list? Well, here are the accelerators, here are the venture funds, here are the big universities, here are the tech transfer offices. Here's everything in our ecosystem, which by the way, we have it all. Here are some popular meeting spots. Here are some upcoming events that you might want to attend from some of our entrepreneurial hubs. Anything that you can do to promote not even your own company, but, you know, your ecosystem, that that in itself raises the reputation, which is very important to venture capital, right? If your reputation is large, Michigan and Ohio have a lot of venture capital dollars going to those states because they have hefty funds and groups and a lot of corporate backing and they have reputations, right? Where the coast, it's easier for them to land and talk to drive capital. That's a lot easier of a conversation than to try to land in Wisconsin and find someone. But they know about that because Ohio's done a really good job of promoting what's going on in their state. And Indiana is another good example. I mean, big state fund of funds program, and you guys have a number of angel investors and so much is going on in sports tech down in Indianapolis, just to name one. But but you guys do a good job of promoting that. And so when people on the coast look at you guys, again, label on the hub, but it is, okay, well, we should go to Indianapolis and look at maybe the tech stars, sports success. We should maybe look at some of the things that we know about. But is there a report or something that startups can do locally, maybe economic development centers to say, well, you know what? We talked to all the investors and we promote our ecosystem. Here's our one report in Madison. Here's our report in, here's the hot list of startups that we're looking at. Again, venture funds will find the startups, but is there an ecosystem there and how do you best show it? I think it highlights and raises the reputation and can really help startups in the area and it can really help the investors in the area too. So that's one additional point. Yeah. So is that, I mean, you, you talk very passionately about that. Is that something you're going to be building into Omni Valley? Are you going to be able to generate those one page reports as you bring on more and more people within a specific market and or ecosystem? It is. So our goal is to have, and I don't know how we'll do this, but our goal is to have the investors in a way for our ecosystem reports to look almost like Wikipedia pages in ways. So to be, to have free response, to have, you know, it'll be monitored and it'll be vetted and we'll do our best to hide bad actors. But I'd rather have an ecosystem report generated through, yes, the data that we collect is simple. Here are the investors in Indianapolis. Here are the startup companies that are registered in Indianapolis. Everything that we collect at a high level, we can put that on a report, very simply put. But I'd rather have Mike go in and edit a free text about what Indianapolis is doing. Or maybe we have some administrators that we've selected as you know, here are the most active investors on Omni Valley within this location. Are you interested in editing this report or maybe sending it to people that you trust? Because again, Omni Valley, I do want to sit in the background and I want investors to promote themselves. If we promote a report from us based on our data, that's great. But I can't tell you the intangible things that we can't collect. I can't tell you the qualitative aspects that you could put in a free text response. It's like, you know what? Big event coming up. It's meant for out-of-state investors. It's specific to these industries. It's like, great, Mike, edit the report. And that report is easily downloadable by anybody interested all the time. So if they're going to Indianapolis, if they're flying on a plane or something one day, hopefully, but you open up your phone and you say, okay, I'm, I'm landing. I have a layover in Indianapolis. 
looks like I can get a meeting with Mike. It looks like some things are going on based on this report that was updated three days ago. Maybe I can really dive into this ecosystem in, in, in short order. So, but again, it is, it is trying to figure out a way to make it easy for the investors to input and update. Cause again, we would love, we would love if there was transparency around this. Yeah. We can aggregate the data, but is that, is that as valuable as hearing it from, you know, the boots on the ground? It's something I'll have to navigate, but. No, I, I love it. Uh, that I would, and I would love a, a resource like that. That's great. Okay. Uh, I, I know I'm, I'm getting close to being way over time. Uh, so we probably need to wrap this up. Uh, if folks want to get a look at the platform, sign up, get a profile because they're an accredited investor, what, uh, where should they go to do that? They, I mean, we're happy to speak with anyone. It is a vetted platform, but right now registration is open for free to any accredited investor or group. All you have to do is go to omnivalley.co, so omnivalley.co, and click on one of the join buttons, which I, you know, it's one of the few buttons on the landing page that should be easy to find. <laughs> um, again, we're early, but uh, yeah, click on one of the joins. It will, it will take you through a, a couple step registration to just input some preferences, which are all editable at your discretion after the fact, but it gets you access to the platform. You have a nice ecosystem map in there that's mapped everyone out so you can see where they're physically located and you can obviously sort and filter through the member lists as well. But um, yeah, I encourage all accredited investors, angels, angel groups, venture funds, anyone interested in connecting or learning about different ecosystems at a high level, please join omnivalley.co, join us now. And if somebody wants to get in touch with you directly, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, that also simple. Grady, so G-R-A-D-Y, at omnivalley.co. You can email us at team or Grady. We're very responsive. All of our contact information is also on the website as well. So we're happy to speak with anybody interested in this topic. It's, it's, it is what we are passionate about. We love the idea. So member or not, I'd love to learn about more ecosystems and connect those that are you know, willing to make the connections. Fantastic. Grady, thank you so much for taking the time. I know we went long. Uh, great content, man. I appreciate it. Not a problem, Mike. I'm happy to do it. If you're thinking of launching a SaaS product, startup competitors can provide data on your closest competitors, survey potential users, or provide other product validation services. Learn more at startupcompetitors.com.